Everyone bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you for this time for us to be able to just gather together with friends and family in Christ. And uh, I just pray as Dan comes up with this message to give to us that we'll just open our hearts and open our minds for you to just seep into us and to be able to just show us this message and what you mean for it to impact our lives. And I just thank you for Dan as he comes up here to to preach to us and to share your word with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, are you all ready for this? Good, man, this this is going to be great. Yeah, yeah, we're ready. I, uh, y'all's response reminds me of sort of something that occurred to me today. I, uh, on Wednesdays, a lot of times, I get here about 8.15 at the church. I'm here to about 3 o'clock or 3.30, and I, I usually try to head to the gym or I head home and go for a run just because I've been sitting, Wednesday's day, I've been going through my notes a lot, so I've just been sitting down in front of my desk, and I just need to get up and move around. It also helps me think, sort of think through what I'm going to say and how it's going to, you know, make sure it's going to flow right. So when I'm, 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 if I run or in my car in that time, I'm talking to myself a lot. So I did that today, about 3.25 or 3.30, I, I hopped in the car. I've hurt my foot, but I'm still going to go for a walk or run today because I was like, I need to. Um, I just need to. I've just, you know, it's just one of those weeks. You've just been eating lots, and it's been a great week in that, that way. <clears throat> so are you with me still? Okay, so I, I jump in the car. I get off Minor Road, start headed up uh, uh, Buccaneer Trail. And I get where the construction, I, I have to go west, so I've got to go through that construction part a lot before you get to 17. It slows down there a lot. Well, it slows down, it comes to a complete stop when I'm about 60 cars back from the stoplight at 17. And nobody moves for 20 minutes. At this point, I'm going, are you, you know, something's wrong with the train track or something is stopped up ahead where no one, now the left lane is starting to move some, but it's only because cars are getting sick, they don't want to wait, and they're trying to find a way to the turn lane on the left side to go um, south on 17, sort of. So I finally, after about 20 minutes, I go, okay, and I I edge my way in, I get to the turn lane, because I'm not going to make it home. I'm running out of time. And I was a little bit down, because I was like, man, I wanted to go for a run. Uh, So instead, I finally got turned around after about 35 minutes, and I went down to Chick-fil-A and got a large chocolate milkshake. <laughs> I ate that puppy, and it made me feel just, just about as good as I would have if I had gone for a run. So I totally, I didn't, I didn't only just not do what I was planning on doing. I did the opposite, and it felt so good. Sometimes you just have those days, you just got to make it work. So I could have gotten mad, about, Ugh, and I was like, I'm getting a milkshake. I have earned it. I've been sitting in this car and moving around a little bit. So that's how my day went. So far today, who who wrote the book of Second Tim, Tim, Timothy? Paul wrote it, and he wrote it to Timothy. And where was Paul? What city was he in when he wrote it? Rome. Someone's like, I I gotta be the first at Rome. And where was he in Rome? In jail, in prison. And where did he go once he left uh, Rome? About a year late, a late, a late a later. Heaven. That's right. Heaven. He died. He was he he was martyred in Rome. No, you're good. In 67 AD, he was, he was put to death. So, so he's written the letter, and, and I'm going to repeat this 
every time we teach on this, because I want you, when you're 78 years old, to go, oh, I remember. And that might be all you remember. But, but that, that he, 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 he wrote it to his dear son in the faith, Tim, Timothy. So it's some last words of Paul. Now, um, I've got a little story to share, not like the one I just shared. But this story, I even put a, ti- a ti- ti- title to it called The Curse of the Tim Tebow in the House of Walsh. I know, it's worse than you think it is. See, I've grown up a fl- fl- Florida State fan since I was a, a young buck. Now, I did not go to Florida State. I went to Palm Beach Atlantic College, home of the mighty, mighty sailfish. You wish, you wish, you wish you were a fish. Huh, was our motto. Pastor Mike knows it well. He went there as well. Um, and so we didn't really have a football team or any sport teams that were worth anything that you could say. So we had a choice in the state. You had to pick a school team. And Miami, do we have any fans of the Canes here? Okay. They were a bunch of thugs back in, way back in the day. Now, FSU became thugs, and then they won the, the t- title. So I'm convinced you've got to become a thug or be Tim to win the national t- title. But anyways, so I was going to raise my kids right, you know, Florida State, Florida State. Problem was, Tim came on the scene when my oldest son was about six or seven years old. And he started to like Tim Tebow and root for Tim Tebow. Now, how could I, a youth pa- pa- pastor at a, at a church, be like, son, he's of the devil, he's Satan incarnate? I mean, I, I couldn't say that. Tim People can say a lot of things about Tim, but can I tell you what? For someone that's been in the spotlight as much as he has been in throughout his life, he's done an incredible job to represent the faith of Christ. Now, he's dumb when he picks schools to go to, but he's an incredible man of God in that way. And even to this day, he's done very well. Now, I understand this about Tim. He falls and struggles just like everybody else. But he stood tall in times when most men have not been near as tall as he has. And he's gotten a lot of flack for it. So um, at six and seven, Noah started liking Florida. And, and then he, he, he convinced jo- Joseph it was a good thing. Almost c- kicked him out of the house for that at the age of eight and a half. But mom convinced me to let him stay just for a couple more years. You got about th- three months and you're out, son. That was the deal. Uh, now, now, the good thing is my girls are all FSU fans all day long. Uh, but, man, it's just like, oh, I just can't win. It's the curse of Tim Tebow. Now, there, there's a point to that. So hang on to that story because it wrecked my house. Last time that I preached, now two weeks ago, now, now Brother Greg preached this past week, spoke on, on Cuba. Greg, thank you so much. Uh, can you all give him a hand because it, it, it's a lot. And uh, I've heard from a few of you that he did a great job, and I appreciate it, Um, and um, I'm going to refer a little bit to what he spoke about near the end, Uh, but two weeks ago, I talked about um, three types of people uh, that that the Word of God says we're supposed to be like. There there were really four. One is a one who, a a teacher, and, and they teach, but the next three, one was an athlete, and they compete by the what? By the rules. They compete by the rules. And we're called to, to compete by the rules that are laid in front of them. And whose rules are we ta- called to c- com- com- compete by? Right? God's. Right? Okay. Also, it was the farm, farm, farmer, and he works what? 
He works the fields, but he works how? How does he work? Hard. He works hard. And we're called, man, we're called to work hard. And living out this faith, we've got to work hard. And the soldier, what does he do? He's, he, he, his one aim is to please who? Yep, the commanding officer, right? He's, he's supposed to please. Now, now while those three, three things are, are great and what we need to be like, just like Tim Tebow is great, in many ways we ought to go, man, that part of his life, I want to be like that. And there's times that Paul writes, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's, he, 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 he doesn't say imitate me all the time because I get it all right. He just says, hey, imitate me when I imitate Christ. When I'm being like Christ, do, do, do that stuff that's good. Because Paul even had thorns in the flesh. Now, we're going to stand up and read some scripture and try to make these things I've just brought up make sense. So stand with me, and we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8, that's where we left off two weeks ago. And look at this, what Paul tells Timothy, his son, in the faith. He says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal gl glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And then he says, for he cannot deny himself. Let's pray before we go on. Dear God, we thank you for your, your word, your truth, Lord. This is the word of God that men through centuries have fought to, to, to take care of and to keep, who have laid their life down for. And Lord, may we not take it for granted when we hear it. May we not take it for granted when we hold it in our hands. But may we understand the importance of your word, the importance of your truth and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ha have a seat. Verse 8, right here. Look, and I'm going to jump through. There's a couple of points I'm going to jump through quick because they're just clear. They're there. And then there's one of them I want you to get. I just want you to grab this one. This is sort of the main one for tonight, but it's, it's not the first point. It's going to be the second point. First point is this. Read verse 8. It says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of, of David as preached in my gospel. Now, he's just talked about be like the athlete, be like the farmer, be like the sol 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 soldier. And the next thing that he says right here in verse 8 is, but remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Point one, Jesus is the ultimate example. He is the perfect example. While all those rest things are good, we need to be like, hey, he, he's, he's praised these things, but he says this. He, he draws back to Christ. And Paul is, is that guy that uh, when you're around him, he's going to bring up Jesus in the com conversation somehow because he loves him and he wants to live for him and serve him. He's, he's that guy. So Jesus is the ultimate example. That's just the point one. He brings it up again, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as I preach. He said, as I preach in the gospel, in the good news. Now look at this next verse, and it says this, for which I am 
suffering. What's he suffering? The gospel that is preached. Bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. First point, Jesus is the ultimate example. Second point, the Bible is an unstoppable force. Okay, the Bible, the word of God is an unstoppable force. Now, remember, 66 AD, 65 AD is when it's believed Paul wrote this book. 67 AD, he was put to death by Nero, who hated Christianity. And it's known as the first persecution of the church. Both Paul and and Peter and many others were killed by Nero. Nero was a very sick man, and he didn't want to just kill those who believed and put their faith in Christ. He wanted to make them suffer in awful ways. And some 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 of you like the, like like Saw and some of those weirdo freak shows. Um, this guy would have probably been that that guy. He was sick. He would he would make them put on shirts made of a thick wax, and he would hang them up in his garden and light them on fire when they were still alive and the wax would make them burn slower so that they could he could enjoy the beauty of his gardens at night that's just one of the things okay really bad guy wanted to stamp out christianity now we're not going to go through every time in history that this is done or we would be here for days weeks or probably months on end but we're going to fast forward from 67 a.d uh, that's my girl she's excited about this part um, 67 A.D. to 300 A.D., okay, 233 years ahead, there's a, it's known as a, the persecution of Diocletian, okay? And it's, it's not the second persecution of the church, it's the tenth persecution of the church. There's been eight between him and Nero that have done things that we can say there's an age and time period that they ruled trying to stomp out Christianity. Now, this guy, his goal was to get the word of God and burn it all and get rid of it so none of it existed so it could be stamped out forever. And over 12 years, he tried to take care of this and get this done. And if you were found with a copy of the Word of God in your household, the household and yourself would be killed on the spot. He got to a point where he believed he had one out and and wiped it out. And after he died, um, a man named Constantine came to power. And Constantine was changed by God, and he put a decree. Now, I've just read this. I don't know this as a historical fact, but from what I've read it, it says that when he came to power, he put a thing out going, hey, I will give a great amount of money for anyone who has a copy of the Word of God. And 50 copies of the Word of God came to him that, that day. Now, do we understand they were handwritten in that day? That's pretty cool that that quickly it rose back up. Now, we're going to go forward in time, and there's a guy named John Wycliffe, who should be very important to you. And some of you may not know why, but in 1377, thousand years ahead of where we just were, he wanted to translate the Bible into English, because the only ones we had were those that were in the original languages of Greek and Hebrew, and also it was in Latin called the Vol- Vulgate. Now, now he wanted to, to, to make it so that the common man could read it. And he, he and some friends, that believe he might have done the entire New Testament himself, we're not for sure, 
but he had a lot of help with the Old Testament by some friends, and they made this entire work, and the church at that time was furious with him because what right did the common man have to even look upon or interpret the scriptures? They couldn't. Only a priest authorized by the church should be allowed to do that. Now, he wasn't killed by the church. He actually died. He had a stroke and, and p- passed away. But 40 years after he died, the church was still so mad at him that they dug up his corpse, they burned him to ashes, and they threw him in the river because his body was not fit to be laid in the ground. That's, that's some anger issues right there, if you guess me. Now, 150 years after that, hang with me. This stuff's very important. In 1525, a man named William Tyndale said, you know what, I want to take the Bible now. The first guy, um, whatever his name, John Wycliffe, had, had gotten from the Latin and translated from the Latin into English. This guy wanted to take it from the original language, Greek and Hebrew, and translate it into English. So in 1525, he did the New Testament himself. Why is this important? The church at this point is still angry, very angry, and they tried to burn almost all the copies that he had. The problem was the printing press was invented around this time. Instead of it all being handwritten, they could print it pressed out so that they could, it takes a lot more time than than we take now, but it was much more than someone to handwrite every page. He uh, got the New Testament done, was working on the Old Testament. They put him in jail at the age of 40. He was in jail for two years where he continued to work on it. And in, uh, after being in jail for two years, he was strung, str- str- strangled and burnt at the stake. Why? Because he dared to try to give the word of God to the common man who some believed, many believed of the church at that time, did not deserve the word of God. I want you to understand something with this, because we don't really think about this very often. The price and the blood that has gone through to get this in your hand that you walk around with and you've got the opportunity to take home and to read and how precious, precious this is. Do not lose. If you get anything out of tonight, that's one of the things I, I hope you get. This has come with such a high cost, and it reminds me of the verse that we read, but the word of God is not bound. Paul, Paul, Paul says what? I, I'm suffering bound with chains, chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. There's a place uh, that is a little bit near and dear to my heart called China. It's been under communist rule since the 1920s, completely really in the 1940s. They had a lot of, of warring. And uh, what that really meant, if I can explain to you, is, is it's closed to the gospel, that's the side I want to look at, that uh, uh, it was illegal to meet and have church, it's illegal to own a copy of the word of God, it's illegal to share your faith in China, okay, they they believe there's no God, you just, just, you you live and you die, Um, but I want you to see some statistics i think there's a it's a it's the white it's more the the white page with with the graph have you got that on there somewhere not that one the the full white page with the gray there we go now i want you to look at this and, and i'm just going to go through a couple things here this is the christian's red line don't worry about the green line i want you to look at the red line right here 
uh, and it's the Christians in China by millions. Now, there's over a billion people in China, I believe, at this point. So in the, let's go in 1982, there's six million believers. That's what they estimate it to be. Now, 1991, it was at eight, and all of a sudden it began to take a big, big growth curve here. In uh, 1998, which is right past here, it was near 20 million believers. Now, to put that in perspective for you, put, put up that map you just put up. 20 million believers in all of China. That is the population of the state of Florida at this time, approximately. Okay, it's comparable. If you want to, if everybody from newborn to old person who is about to kick the bucket in the state was a believer in Jesus Christ, that's how many they, they could fit in the state just like we fit in our state. Does that make sense to you? In 17 years, it has grown from 20 mil, 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 million to a, a hundred million believers. That's a conservative estimate on it. Very conservative. It's probably higher than that. And so this is what that statistic means because we hear that and go, okay, 20 million, 100 million. Okay, so it's grown some. Take a look at this map here. No longer is it just the state of Florida. It's Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri. Not Missouri. I think that's it. In 17 years, everybody in this thing is now a believer and put their faith and trust in, in, in Jesus Christ. Is that a lot? We sort of lose, y'all even lose scope on it. Everybody in the whole, every state, not just this one state now, every one of these states, and estimates, if you go where they really think it is, it includes all the Northeast have become believers. It started here 17 years ago, and it's gone all the way to all of that, everybody a believer in Jesus. That's not everybody who's heard the good news and had a chance to put their faith. That's those that have put their faith in. And they're at a place where they've got to do it in secret. They've got to hide in a house church where they cram in there sometimes for four hours or eight hours or 12 hours at a time just to hear the word of God preached. But the word of God is not bound. Man, man has tried through the centuries to bind it up and to lock it up and to hide it. I know Greg just went to a place uh, where com, com, commu, communism has, has reigned just like China. China. And I, I think one of the things that you said, Greg, was you were surprised that the church has flourished the way it has because they didn't have a chance. They didn't have, they, they shouldn't have flourished. China, China shouldn't have made it. It doesn't make any sense at all. We should not have cop, 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 copies of this book. It's been the most hated book throughout all of eternity. We, we shouldn't have it. But the word of God is not bound. Man, I'm, I'm excited about that fact. But let me ask you all to do this. The copy that you have, hold it dear. Understand what it is. 
understand what, how precious it is. And, and here, here's a clip. Some of you may have seen it. Sort of not a great clip. It looks like it's from a cell phone. It's like a minute long of some Bibles being dis, dis, distributed in China. I think we've got it right. <laughs> Man, that's a real clip, and you go, man, they sort of freaked out about that. Some, uh, as I've read things, some, some folks have waited 10 to 15 years just to hold a copy of the Word of God in their hands. If, if you saw, I don't know, it, it's, they were all wrapped up. So one of them is trying to carefully tear that thing. And we throw these things around like it's just, it's just a book. Just a book. The Word of God is not, not bound. So point one, Jesus is the ultimate example. Point two, the, the Word of God is unstoppable. The Bible is unstoppable. If you look at verse 10, the next verse we're at in 2 Tim, 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 Timothy 2, somebody's phone. And this is what he says. My phone is ringing. I just know it's mine. I'm just getting older. I can't tell where it comes from. All right, verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus with eternal glory. Point three, the believer endures. How do you stick it out? How do you stand up for, for, for your faith? You endure for the sake of, of, of others. You endure for those who, who will be saved. Because just as knowledge of the saving power of Jesus Christ came to you through many pe- people, who knows the, the line of, of, of through history that it came to you, you know, it's not supposed to only come to you, it's supposed to go through you. If it, it doesn't, it can't stop with us. It, it goes through us, and we become a part of that line where we reach other people. Therefore, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, those who, those who will be saved, that they also may obtain the salvation. Um, Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word, of God. You've got, they've got to hear the word of God. They've got to hear the truth of God to be saved by God. Endures for the sake of others. Verse 11. And this part confused me uh, as I read it, and you might be a little bit confusing t- t- to you. And what it is, let me just introduce it. The saying he's about to share, scholars believe it's a hymn that they used to sing. 
and and uh, and they they don't know the way it goes. It's not like shout to the north. It, I, they don't know, but they believe it was a hymn, and that's why everybody seemed to know it. <clears throat> but when I would read this, I, I want you to understand that the last line at the end of thirteen is not a part of the hymn. It's Paul writing his own note after this little hymn part. So read it, beginning in verse eleven. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And then Paul says, for he cannot deny himself. Now let me just explain that because it all made sense to me, except for the very end. I sort of was like, uh, how can, uh, if we deny him, he will deny us, but then if we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And there was a, he'll, he'll also deny us, but he can't deny himself. What does all this stuff mean? And let, let me share this. Because the top part, you go, man, I agree with that. First John 2.23 says this. I think we might have it on the screen. It says, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. This is all throughout Scripture. This is what we're there. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says, So everyone who acknowledges me, acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So verses you know, 11, 12, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. I understand that. I've been cru- crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can't even think of where that verse is at right now, but I know it's in the Bible. Right? Have you heard that before? Maybe. And then it says if we endure, we will also reign with him. And if, if we deny him, he will also deny us. We just read that in Matthew 10. And then it says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And point four is this, because first point, Jesus is our ultimate example. The Bible is an unstoppable force. uh, Believers endure for the sake of others. And and the fourth point is God is faithful. God remains faithful faithful and you go well why is that important and this is what paul he tags it at the end he says this for he cannot deny himself what does he mean this is what he means he says you know what god can't stop being god god is holy perfect and just and even we are faithless god is going to be faithful what he promised he will do he will do because god can't stop being god if he didn't keep the promises that he had, he would not be God. Because he is righteous, pure, holy, and just. And if he faltered on any, and so Paul is wanting to say to him, even if we are, are faithless, God's promises are still true. For God can't stop being God. That's what it says at the end. God remains faithful. Even in times we go, man, I just don't know if I can make it. I don't know if God is going to be faithful all the time. So what do I want you to get out of tonight? Man, I want you to understand who our example is. That's Jesus. We've got to be like the farmer and the athlete. But above all, we've got to be like 
Jesus. We got to be like, uh, we ought to look up to guys like Tim Tebow, or it could be a, a dad that we have, or a grandfather, or a mother, or a grand, grandmother, or a friend that we have. We can look up to because of their faith in Christ. But above all else, we got to look up to Jesus, because everybody else will fail in time. We'll struggle. We all struggle. And the word of God is not bound. Man, I am so encouraged by that, because in this world we live in, America, it feels like it's becoming more bound, and hands are being tied, and, and scriptures being moved out of the courthouses, and, and school, they say you can't do this or that, and, and, and it, it's, it's becoming so much less accepted or cool to be a believer anywhere, but the word of God cannot be bound. It will rise always. I'm so encouraged by that. And we, why do we endure? Because, and I'm thankful for Gary Yeldell, a kid in high school who said, hey, why don't you come with me to church, to church, church, church camp? Incentive was, hey, there's like a ton of girls there, and it's like three to one girls to guys. When you uh, stutter at that age, you're going to take any chance you can get. Odds are better. And I went. And fourth night of that camp, everything was clear, and my life was rocked and changed forever. Why do we endure and speak up and take that chance? Because someone has endured for us. That's why we do it. And how can we, we, we understand all this? Because God remains faithful. His promises are true. What he says he will do, he will do. He is bigger than anything that we will face. So we can walk out of here and go, you know what? I can make an impact wherever I go. I need to make an impact. I need to fight to make an impact. The world's against me. I know it is. But God remains faithful. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. I thank you that your word is not bound. Uh, it cannot be contained or, or rocked by man because you are so great. And Lord, may we be used by you uh, to make your name great at Yulee High School, at Yulee Middle, Middle School, uh, within the homeschool groups, wherever we go. God, help us to make your name great. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, any questions on D-Now, let me know. The money is due tonight. If you don't have it and you're something with parents, come talk to me. We're dismissed.